Welcome, Delby Melman, to Lemon Spark Podcast. I'm so glad that you were able to join us today to talk to us about your expertise in handling uh, individuals who've experienced trauma. Uh, you are a therapist mm -hmm. and uh, you specialize, your clinic specializes in individuals who have experienced trauma. So I'm hoping you can introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us, uh, enlighten us about, you know, the traumatic experience and, from a therapist's point of view. Sure. Thank you, Barbara. I appreciate you having me on today. Um, yep. I, I am the director at Madison Trauma Therapy here in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, we've been open since 2015. We just celebrated five years in March. Congratulations. You have COVID, yeah, thanks. Um, and we, we do a variety of things. Um, you know, one thing that we really focus on, obviously it's in our name, is trauma. And, and it just seems like at the root of so many issues and problems from addiction to all kinds of mental illness is, um, you know, just, sometimes just one traumatic event, but often it's many layers of trauma that people have experienced. And so uh, you'll hear in our field the, the term trauma-informed um, all over the place. And so everything from what magazines we have in the waiting room to how we take our intake calls over the phone, we, we don't, our goal is to not re-traumatize anyone with any part of our process. So um, that's one aspect of something we really train our staff on. We have 16 staff and contractor providers who work with us. Some are licensed therapists, some are peer specialists, some are social workers who do case management. Um, so we do a lot of community-based work with people who've experienced many layers of trauma. And um, through some county programming that we contract with, we just surround people with support as much or as little as they want. You know, we don't impose anything on people that they don't want or need, um, but we just make that support available and try to see things through that trauma lens. Um, but also in the same, like almost same breath, just see things through a strengths-based lens and looking at where people's strengths are. And it's not all about, you know, what your diagnosis is or what, what hard things have happened to you in your past. I mean, those things are important, but we really want to help people tap into the things that they're just naturally good at and that they're passionate about and that they enjoy and really try to um, just tap into those gold mines, you know, and as they're working through recovery. Interesting. How do people find you incidentally? Um, how do you get people through your door so that they know that this is a place where I can work through not only the feelings I have about the traumatic experience, but, Sounds like helping you, helping them set goals and, and tap into their, their strengths, as you put it. Sure. Yeah. Um, a couple ways. I think, um, you know, one side of what we do is, is your traditional outpatient therapy where people can contact us through their insurance networks or through Psychology Today or, you know, anywhere that you would typically find a therapist and their contact information online. We're on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on Facebook. And so... We'll just get calls that way. Um, a lot of times people just look in their insurance networks and they see that we're in that network and they'll call to see what our availability is. And so that's the outpatient side of things. And then really over 75% of our business is working through the county programs that provide kind of wraparound recovery services. Mm. And so we're one of about over 50 providers in Dane County 
for the program called Comprehensive Community Services, which is a Medicaid-funded mm -hmm. program. And in the provider directory for that program, we're listed with a description of what we provide. So um, the nice thing about that program is uh, clients get to decide who they want to work with. It's very client-driven. They decide what goals they want to work on um, and how they want to do it. So we're always reminding folks, whether you're coming through the outpatient door or through the community mental health door through the county, that you're in charge of your treatment. You know, you know yourself better than anyone. You know what your strengths are. You know where, what your triggers are. And so we're kind of following your lead and, and also just coming in with expertise where you want that. So you would say a lot of the people who are coming through your door have experienced trauma. And would you classify people with addiction issues as people who have experienced trauma? Yes, two questions. The addiction side, yes, a majority of the folks that we've seen who struggle with addiction, and we aren't, I wouldn't say that addiction is our specialty, but, um, you know, there's, there's no like black and white of, well, do I have a mental health issue or do I have an addiction issue? You know, there's, there's crossover there for sure. So um, I almost always see some layer of trauma with somebody who's struggled with any type of addiction, whether it be substance abuse or sexual addiction or shopaholicism um, or overeating. So um, there's, you know, there's usually something there to work on. And, and Barbara, we define trauma as anything that affects the way you see yourself or feel about yourself now. So hmm. I always tell people, you know, we're not, going back and digging things up just for something to do in therapy. Who needs that? You know, we're, we're not trying to re-traumatize you or have you relive something that's hard just so that, you know, you could say you worked it out in therapy. If it's still affecting you now and the way you see yourself and the way you feel about yourself, the way you interact with the world, then it's worth looking at and, and reworking that down, even down to the neurological level, because when something traumatic happens that causes you to have an issue with how you see yourself or feel about yourself, it's not like you just have a video in your head of what happened or a picture of what happened. It's as if your whole nervous system took a picture of what happened. And that's mm -hmm. why we get those, those triggers. You know, if you hear a sound or something you smell um, can trigger that. So those memories, those experiences, can be reworked down to the neurological level so that it's not we can't make it as if they they didn't happen because you know we're not rewriting history but your nervous system doesn't have to be so jacked up every time uh, those memories come to mind do you think it's possible to eliminate those nervous triggers completely or is it more muting them because i i'm i'm pull, pulling from an example i just Yesterday, yeah. I was driving um, through my old neighborhood, mm -hmm. and um, my old neighborhood is happens to be when I had a really traumatic event happen to me. Mm -hmm. And as I was driving through that old neighborhood, I immediately sensed a lot of the emotions that I felt. Not all very good mo emotions, by the way. As I drove through that neighborhood, uh, I you know I sensed loneliness, which was something I felt a lot during that traumatic event. I sensed a bit of sadness, which of course I felt a lot during that traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that uh, me personally, I'm 
over that traumatic event. I'm, I'm moved beyond it. I'm, I'm a better person. You know, I've kind of seen it through a more productive mm-hmm. lens. Um, mm-hmm. But those feelings are still obviously there because they surfaced as soon as I started driving and seeing some of the old um, houses and sidewalks that I used to go past all the time on, many, on the many walks that I would take while I was trying to grapple with what happened. It's mm-hmm. a really good question, Barbara. Um, you know, I, I think the goal is, so we, we look at SUDs, subjective units of distress. So if I'm talking with someone, like say if you and I were talking about driving through your neighborhood, you know, so okay, you come into therapy and you're kind of worked up about this. Like I didn't realize this was still a thing. So I'd ask, um, well, where do you feel in your body? You know, when you think about it and if you, and I don't want to bring all that up for you right now, so we won't like go there, but, but like, let's just say you said, well, it's my stomach, you know, my stomach gets real tight when I think about it. And I'd say, okay, so from zero to 10, like how activated are you? 10 is like through the roof and zero is like, yeah, it happened, but it's just not even bothering me. So our goal is zero, you know, why not? Let's shoot for zero. Um, And have I seen people get to zero and stay there? Absolutely. Um, For some people, if I can get it from an eight, if they can get it from an eight to a two, that's movement, you know, that's improvement. So Mm -hmm. I think there are some things that are just sad. You know, I lost my mom last summer and uh, her dresser is, I've I've got, I inherited this antique hand-painted dresser that's right in my foyer at our house. And I've got all her pictures on there. And it brings me such comfort just to have that because I know it meant a lot to her. Um, But there are times when I walk by that and it's only been a year. So it's sad for me. I miss her, you know, and I... I'd maybe worry about myself a little bit if I'd already moved on, you know, yes. a year later, mm-hmm. um, 10 years from now, it might not be as hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I think it's possible to get to a zero. Let's shoot for that. Okay. All right. Well, so what are some ways that people, when you're working with clients um, to get them to zero? Because I'm going to assume that the lower you are on that zero to 10 scale, the more, um, of course, the more happy you can be, the more productive you can be, the more um, able you are to see this event as something that doesn't necessarily define you, but maybe, just maybe, and this is the whole point of Lemon Spark, spark something in you to do, mm-hmm. turn that into lemonade, let's say, just let's use the yeah. old phrase, turn, sure. lemon, turn lemon into lemonade. Mm-hmm. Is, how, how do you work through that to get someone to move down that scale? Uh, and, and is it, how frequent are people able to? Yeah, good question. Well, um, I would say that my maybe bias in, in the modality that I have used and have seen good results with is using kind of mind-body approaches such as EMDR or brain spotting. And so... Um, just for simplicity's sake, I'll do a, a brief explanation of brain spotting just to, to give you and your listeners an idea of, of what that is. So back when I was talking about resolving something down to the neurological level, that's kind of what we're thinking there. So um, let's say I have this memory, I didn't get picked for the kickball team in third grade and it still bothers me and I feel rejected and I feel this kind of like, you know, tightness in my stomach it's an, and it's like an eight. 
um, you know, if I had a good trusting relationship with my therapist and she had a pretty orderly trauma history on me, she's not like jumping into a bunch of landmines. You know, I typically don't start processing trauma with a client until we have that rapport built, that trust built. I feel like I have a pretty good um, overview of their timeline and where some of the tough spots might be, um, where those SUDs are like six or seven or higher. And then we work together to decide where to start. Um, I like to start with the higher ones because if you can, you know, get a, a one that's seven, eight, nine, um, you know, resolve down to a two or three, there might be a few others that just get wiped out in the process. You know what I mean? Because there are connections there. So um, back to my kickball example, I would say, okay, let's work through that. When you think of that memory, where do you feel it in your body? Okay, your stomach, it's a seven or eight. Let's notice that. And then uh, there's a couple components to brain spotting. So we use something called bilateral stimulation which we've learned um, can help strengthen the neural connections between the left and the right side of the brain. So it helps the left and the right side communicate more openly and integrate some of the things that have happened to us down to the neurological level. So an example of um, bilateral stimulation would be um, if I just do a butterfly hold where I'm tapping my arm left to right. Um, we also use, excuse me, I know your readers can't see this, but just so that you can see it, this is um, a theratapper, and basically you've got two, um, whatever you want to call them, tappers, and they vibrate very gently back and forth. So you hold one in each hand, and that's a form of bilateral stimulation that you just have going in the background as you're talking to your therapist. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So you're holding some vibrating device in your yep. hand as you're talking about a traumatic event. Right, and it's just helping open up that neurology and be able to get to not just the talk therapy part of it, and I, there's, there's value for sure in talk therapy, but down to your, into your neurons, you know, you're starting to process, there's processing going on in your body that you might not even realize is going on um, because those neural connections are firing. And so you have that going on in the background. Another way for bilateral stimulation, some people don't like the tappers because of the uh, physical sensation of that, uh, but we can use headphones with kind of instrumental music or nature sounds that go from left to right in your ears. Um, okay. So, yeah, so the idea is you just have that going on in the background. And then there's a visual aspect to brain spotting. Um, and it's based on the premise of where you look affects how you feel. So if you've ever had a friend or somebody telling you something really hard that happened to them, and maybe you see them staring off to the left or up to the right, there's, there's something about that spot that they're fixated on visually that helps them to neurologically be kind of back in that memory where they can, they can access it more readily and process it more readily. So we'll use something like um, a pointer for people that have a hard time accessing that. Um, I'll go across their field of vision and we'll notice where those SUDs spike and we'll find a spot to settle on. And some people it's so specific, Barbara, where they'll say, no, move it up to the right or over to the left. Nope, right there. Right there is where I can remember this the best. Interesting. And um, so that's going on while the bilateral simulation is going on. And then sometimes, um, 
the beauty of brain spotting, any MDR for that matter, is you can process your trauma while talking as little or as much as you like. Your therapist does not have to know every last detail for you to heal. So some people would rather that be between themselves and God or between themselves and their memories. Um, and I, I've had several clients who literally just, you know, I'm typically checking in with people every minute or so. How are you doing? What are you noticing? Making sure they know that I'm attuned to them, that we're kind of in this together. They're not all by themselves processing this. And I had one lady who just said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a process here. If you could just not interrupt me until I say I'm ready. I said, okay, that's fine. So we sat there for a good 20, 25 minutes and she took her headphones off. She said, you know, put the, put the pointer away. And she took a deep breath and she said, um, it wasn't my fault. Hmm. Uh, I'm like, oh, well, do you care to share what wasn't your fault? No, I really would rather not. You know, it just wasn't my fault. And so we looked at that. Okay, she was at a nine when we started. Where are you now? I'm at like a one or a two. And then there's something, back to your lemon spark. Mm -hmm. There's actually a phrase in brain spotting called, um, let's squeeze the lemon. So if you're at a one or a two, what's between a zero and a two for you? Mm -hmm. And where can we, I know it's a different, different aspect of lemon spark, but mm -hmm. um, what can we do to get you down to a zero? And she could identify this one piece that was still bugging her and we did a little more processing. She got it down to a zero. I saw her a few more times um, and it just wasn't an issue after that. She said, I can't even call up the feeling that I had. Oh, wow. I mean, the memory's still there. I know that it happened. It kind of sucks that it happened, but it's just not defining me and it, it wasn't my fault. So, and that was the thing that was, I think, eating at her. Interesting. Some part of it that felt like it was her fault. So I know that's a lot. <laughs> Um, and especially um, if it's your first time hearing about um, a modality like brain spotting, but there's a website called brainspotting.pro. Um, .pro? P-R-O? Mm -hmm. Okay. Where you can um, watch some videos. David Grand is the um, kind of developer of brain spotting. Um, it probably started a little before him, but he fine-tuned it and kind of put it into a practice that's being researched now and so um, there's some good videos on there where he does a much better job explaining it than I did. <laughs> but um, that's just an overview of one of the ways that we help, help folks who um, clearly have trauma that is, is really impacting the way they see themselves and feel about themselves now. So it sounds like brain spotting is a method to get someone to have a better sense of self. Yeah. Would you say? And, sure. and, mm -hmm. and so it reduces the trauma so, because you've defined trauma as something that impacts your sense of self in most likely in an adverse way. For someone who, who is successful in getting to a, a lower number on your scale of zero to 10 and have a better sense of self, do you find that that is in and of itself sufficient for them to, to move on? Or are there people who maybe they get to that lower number and they have a good sense of self, but they feel like they still want to find some meaning in what mm -hmm. happened to them? 
And this is where the lemon spark again is coming into play. I'm curious because of course, lemon spark is an idea. It's not a academically proven issue, at least it's to my knowledge. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm trying to uh, identify maybe from a more expert point of view, if, if there is a pattern um, of people who have gone through this, maybe have gone through the brain sprouting, maybe feel a stronger sense of self, but still want to move in a direction that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise move in, moved to mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for that traumatic event, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think it, we see it all the time. Um, I can't say that 100% of the people get there and, mm-hmm. and want to dig in and find the meaning. Um, I think maybe it sometimes it comes out... Um, maybe not as obviously in their lives as they move forward and start to have healthy relationships and they're able to, you know, find meaningful work and, and, you know, those hard things that they went through help make them who they are today. And so, you know, some people really recognize that and will actually maybe start a nonprofit around that idea or, um, you know, I, I like to think of, um, you know, so many, so many of us who've experienced trauma had usually somewhere in the stages of healing a fair amount of anger, you know, towards maybe who hurt us or what happened to us. And, um, you know, you, you, can, you can use anger in a productive way to affect positive change, mm-hmm. or you can allow anger to kind of take over and make you a really bitter person. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you, you can get bitter or better. So I think of like, um, oh, I might misquote this, but I think maybe it was either World Vision or Compassion International. There were some moms who saw these children starving and were on these, you know, kind of overseas trips and came back soccer moms who said, you know, if we could just get families giving $30 a month to help these kids not starve, you know, there was anger that that was happening, but they took that anger and they poured it into a positive direction. Um, so I don't know if that kind of fits with what you're talking about, yeah. but I think there's there's certainly, there's so much hope for someone who can heal and really start to get a more solid sense of self, as you put it so well. Um, and and then just see how that that experience and and even the healing aspect of it especially the healing aspect of it can be used to help other people yes know, to to make a difference in the world because um you know the biggest message is that there's hope you know we don't have to be stuck or defined by our trauma exactly and that's and and so i'm glad you said that because that is what this podcast you know other than talking to ex- experts like you I also am trying to find those stories of hope and inspiration of people who have not only experienced a traumatic event, but have gotten to the other side of it and can share a story of this is who I am now. And I I wouldn't be this way. I wouldn't have done this amazing thing if that bad thing hadn't happened to me, you know, that, those years ago or however long ago it might be for each person. And so um, those stories, you know, I'm, my goal is to get those stories out there in a format that people can just identify with and, and find some hope and inspiration. And it sounds like 
that from your professional experience, there are people out there that have those stories that have brought, you know, maybe use the brain spotting technique mm -hmm. that your clinic does so well and, and then is able to think and reflect more clearly on what happened and how they can transform that into something mm -hmm. beneficial, not only for them and completing the healing process, but for sure. helping others. Well, and for people to just see that they have value, you know, and that they have a purpose in life and that maybe they were treated horribly or um, they were treated as less than, you know, we've all got different experiences, but, you know, if they can start to grasp that, you know, like my one client, it wasn't my fault, you know, um, or that, that here's, here's what I now have to offer the world, that's healing in itself. You know, just, you know, the chills you get, Barbara, when you, your story is shared with somebody else and you see a light bulb go on in them and, and that's healing for them. That gives them hope. Yes. And, um, it's just, I mean, I have chills right now just thinking about it, you know, like you, you and I, we got to share our stories a little bit last time we talked and um, we've come through a lot and, and I'm just so grateful for what you're doing and um, for the difference that it's already making. Uh, it, you can't even count how many lives are being touched by what you're doing. So. Oh, well, that's very sweet. I wasn't even asking for that, but I, know, I appreciate I it. Yeah, I'm, that sweet. is the goal, though. That is the goal of this podcast and the whole concept of Lemon Spark is that hope, inspiration, and a sense of belonging that you're not alone. Because I know from personal experience that when you're going through that traumatic time in your life, you feel alone. I know I did um, because you feel like nobody can understand how awful <laughs> your right. life is right now. And uh, the truth is you're not alone. And, uh, and that, that can be very comforting. I know I was looking for that um, and I'm sure others are too. So mm -hmm. can you tell me how people can find your clinic uh, online yeah. and, and connect with you or yep. if they're interested? Yep, if you just go to madisontrauma.com madisontrauma.com. Uh, okay. Yep. Our website is there. You can see all of our staff. Um, you can call into the main line for an intake. If you're trying to get in for therapy, we have people who specialize in various things. Um, so that's the best way just to go take a look and see what we're doing. And we try to put helpful articles up there. Um, we're trying to get better at staying regular with that. We're kind of so busy in sessions and helping people that we have to remember to maintain that as well. But um, that's the best way. Our main number is 608-509-9287. That's our intake line. And uh, I'm at Debbie at madisontrauma.com. So I'm glad to um, you know, hear from folks who have questions after today and uh, help point them in the right direction, if that's helpful. It is. So Debbie at madisontrauma.com. Just the E-B-B-I-E. So Debbie Millman, thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. And uh, I can't thank you enough for all the insight you've given me and I'm sure others who are listening. So well, thanks, have a Barbara, great and I hope we get to meet in person sometime after all this craziness settles down. Okay? Oh, me too. Me too. Right. Take have care. A great day. You too. Bye.